I am Dr. Barbara Kiel, and some clients of mine prefer to call me Dr. Bibi. And to be honest, I quite like it. Welcome to my podcast. To be honest, a podcast that is born out of mental health efficacy. I believe in the power of intention, and my intention for this podcast is to educate whoever wishes to listen, and to make a paradigm shift in how we perceive mental illness. I also believe mental health education is key, and that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is to invest. In your own mental health. Let's face it, we all need to learn how our minds work, and have the skills to deal with life's ups and downs. And more importantly, let us strengthen our ability to better connect with and support each other. Strong, empathetic. Nurturing and caring relationships have the power to prevent everyday challenges from becoming more concerning issues like mental illness. The responsibility to renew focus on your own mental well-being begins now. Let us set the energy of this episode together. You may wish to put your hand on your heart. And close your eyes, unless you're driving or operating heavy machinery. Take a deep breath in, and as you exhale, let your thoughts go. Let your past go. Now take a moment to plug into the greater energy of the universe. Feel your heart, and imagine us all connected in a unified field of divine white light. And know that you are safe. All is well, and so it is. So take another deep breath in. Hold it for five seconds. And exhale with a sigh. <sighs> and when you are ready, slowly open your eyes. Welcome back. Well, I have received a number of feedbacks about my conversation with my colleague Dirk Wilner, and you find it interesting and helpful. Happy to hear that, and thank you. In episode sixty, we started on the topic of narcissism, and I ended the episode with the top four types of narcissism that I believe you need to know. So I touched on type one is the overt or grandiose narcissist. So let me just quickly recap on some of their. Ways of expressing narcissism, so they are overconfident, entitled, a sense of entitlement. They can be arrogant, 
and exploitative. They tend to display high self-esteem and present themselves as dominant in interpersonal relationships. Now, these narcissists can also be very antagonistic, combative, and argumentative. So for other details, please refer back to episode 60. Now, let me continue with type 2, and it is the covert or vulnerable narcissist. They share several characteristics with the overt narcissist, such as self-centeredness, an exaggerated sense of self-importance, and a sense of entitlement, which make up the core of all types of narcissism. In other words, grandiosity characterizes every narcissist you may encounter. They just express their grandiose in a different way. Overt is openly, whereas covert is more behind the scene. Instead of demanding for what they want, covert narcissists prefer to manipulate others to get what they want. That is why this type of narcissist is so difficult to spot, because unlike the overt narcissist, as I mentioned, they display that sense of grandiosity somewhat differently from the flashy overt counterparts. Unlike your garden variety over a narcissist, the covert narcissist often feels victimized. They enjoy playing the victim's role, and more often than not, they tend to blame others rather than to self-reflect and take responsibility for their own thinking and behaviors. They also feel mistreated, wronged, and unrecognized by the world for their supposed uniqueness. They are termed vulnerable or fragile because they are prone to feelings of shame, guilt, anxiety, shyness, and hypersensitivity, especially to criticism. People may even mistake them for being just shy, introverted, or depressed. They are very wrong. These narcissists will often share stories of having never been given a chance to demonstrate how superior they are to other people. The same people who are secretly envious of their unique talents. It's not uncommon for covert narcissists to expect other people to soothe their fragile egos, while they themselves harbor contempt for those same people. If you enter a relationship with a vulnerable narcissist, you will be subjected to endless displays of victimhood and attention-seeking through sullen behavior and passive aggression, even if you do always put their needs first. They will just move the goalposts of what they expect from you and still probably resent you or plainly demonstrate boredom. (music) 
Type 3, the malignant narcissist. Now, they possess all the traits of overt narcissists with the addition of aggression, antisocial behaviors, and suspiciousness. This disorder is often described as a blending of narcissistic and antisocial personality disorders. They are as egocentric and egotistical as other types of narcissists, but are far more likely to engage in morally questionable behaviors, bordering on criminal. This is why many have linked them to psychopaths. They are distinct entities. Now, two key differences between malignant narcissists and psychopaths are that malignant narcissists can form connections with others and that they will be ever so slightly inclined to feel a little guilt or remorse and display their admittedly extremely superficial and limited empathy, especially when it comes to their family members. And in psychology, we call those type of empathy cognitive empathy. That means perspective taking. It's the tendency to spontaneously adopt other psychological perspectives. Or can be a strategic empathy, the deliberate use of perspective taking to achieve certain desired ends, such as they want others to see that they are remorseful. Malignant narcissists are prone to react impulsively, lash out at people and humiliate others for even the smallest real or perceived transgressions, like making jokes pointed at them, questioning their opinion about something, or being too confident in their opinion. This is why people in their lives who often feel anxious and intimidated by them usually feel like they have to walk on eggshells or appease them and protect their fragile egos. If those people are not careful about everything they say or do, they risk provoking the malignant narcissist hostility and rage, which is not a pleasant sight, of course. Many people who are or were in some way connected to a malignant narcissist often report that they are unstable, impulsive, jealous, hateful, and angry. Of course, that doesn't make malignant narcissists the best candidates for romantic partners, friends, or co-workers. All of the aforementioned characteristics coupled with the way they process information in black and white terms, I often call it all-or-nothing thinking, and their shallow emotional lives indicate that they can sometimes cause significant damage to both people around them and society at large. Type 4, the communal narcissists, are people we have all met at some point in our lives, believe it or not. They are the narcissists who satisfy their ego-related, self-centered needs by communal means. Now, this phenomenon is most obvious in activities related to participation in different causes and organizations. 
These may include various activities related to fundraising, animal rescuing, donating to various causes, and similar activities. They might constantly boast about their good deeds and their pro-social tendencies to the point where it becomes obvious that they are more interested in self-presentation as decent, warm-hearted, and charitable than actually helping their communities. Mind you, research has confirmed that communal narcissists believe, on a conscious level, that they are helpful, but on a subconscious level, feel that that isn't the case. However, since their primary goal is to obtain validation, attention, and recognition for their supposed charitable nature, they don't feel the need to resolve. The contradictions between their conscious and subconscious motivation. So, like all other types of narcissists, they possess superficial emotionality and surface-level empathy, which makes them more interested in participating in different humanitarian and/or environmental causes to receive praise and admiration they crave. Than to actually help the cause itself. So, as with all types of narcissists, if they fail to get the validation they desperately seek out, they are likely to mistreat their family members out of frustration, minimize humanitarian efforts and achievements of other people, and engage in antagonistic. And hostile behaviors towards the people who fail to accurately mirror their kind and charitable self-image. Now, we psychologists and other mental health researchers have speculated that this type of narcissism has always existed, but has been on the rise in the era of social media, which have given narcissists opportunities and platforms to show their so-called humanitarian efforts to hundreds, if not thousands, of people, which satisfies their self-enhancing grandeur-related. Egocentric needs. So, my audience, this was just a brief introduction to the four most commonly mentioned and described types of narcissism. They are type one, the overt or grandiose narcissist; type two, the covert or vulnerable narcissist; type three, the malignant narcissist; and type four, the communal narcissist. And I hope it brought some clarity to this relevant and important subject. Now, if you suspect yourself or anyone that you know or in a relationship with has these symptoms and traits, please contact a professional like myself or any licensed practitioner that. Specializes in treating narcissism and narcissistic abuse recovery. We still have four minutes left, and I promised I am going to explain further the、um, cycle of narcissistic abuse, the four phases, like love bombing, or sometimes we call it the honeymoon period. 
demeaning or devalue, and then it's discard. And the last phase is hoover. Since it's going to require more time than we have left, so let me end this episode by sharing some of the signs of a narcissist. They have a long-standing pattern of the following signs. They are unable to self-reflect. They take things personally, and they hold grudges and can be vindictive. They are master of manipulation, and they gaslight their victims. More often than not, it's other people's fault. They play the victim's role.、Uh, communication is triangulating. They lack empathy. They are not engaging. Extremely sensitive, and overreactive to criticisms, even when it's constructive. Constant deflecting, sense of entitlement, passive aggressiveness. They only give to take. They keep scores. They will make you look bad to make themselves feel good and better. Although they are unempathetic, but they know what you need and they will play it against you. They see people are objects to get what they want. Whatever negative feelings they are feeling, they will project onto you. For instance, if they feel jealous of you, they will project it onto you and say that you are jealous of them. They seldom interested in the feelings of others. It makes sense, right? Because they lack empathy. Many take advantage of others to achieve their own needs and ends. Convinced of their own great success, power, or beauty. They expect constant attention, validation, and acknowledgement from those around them. And for the grandiose narcissist, it's all about admiration and attention, of course. They get bored easily when it's not about them. Therefore, they always refer everything back to them. Now, if you know someone that has five or more. Of the mentioned symptoms, it's definitely worthwhile to take a closer look. In the next episode, I am going to explain further the four phases of narcissistic abuse. So until next week, stay safe, learn heaps, and find the courage to be honest. Bye for now. You can find this podcast, to be honest, on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and my website, www.drbarbarakiao.com. D R B A R B A R A K I A O dot com. 